Curiously Polar with Chris Marquardt and Mario Aguarona. Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the podcast about all things very north and very south. Last week in episode 30, we dipped into the South Pole and we'll... We'll stay there for another episode, a bit of a shorter one this time. I shouldn't have said that because that will probably make it even longer. <laughs> and of course, with me, you heard him, we have uh, Mario Aguarone. Hi, Mario. Hi, Chris. I'm sounding perfect, I hope, through this uh, Rode microphone that, I, <laughs> that I'm carrying with me around the globe. Uh, you're still in Iceland. There's still some snow sitting on the internet line, so... Uh, there's a slight yeah. chance of additional dropouts today, but we're doing our best yes. to, to avoid that. Yeah, at this at the time this episode comes out, I hope I'll be in Tromsø, but uh, back home. But uh, at this time we are recording, I'm still in Iceland. You're right. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Uh, last week um, you gave us a wonderful history lesson about the quest for the South Pole, how people managed to get to the South Pole, and how this all played out. Um, let's stay in the Antarctic for another week and um, let's talk about something that has just recently been, well, or it has just recently come up in, in, my, um, in my field of view, so to speak, and that's the Antarctic Treaty. What is the Antarctic Treaty? Yeah, the Antarctic Treaty is a, um, a, an agreement um, among uh, the countries that are interested in Antarctica, that have some uh, activities in Antarctica to, um, to use Antarctica for uh, uh, non-commercial and non-military purposes. And uh, that, is, uh, that is actually quite, uh, quite unique of its kind. Mm -hmm. At one point, we might have an episode about the Svalbard Treaty, which is uh, maybe a precursor of the Antarctic Treaty. Uh, but um, the Svalbard Treaty is something to do with the exploitation of natural resources and, and business. The Antarctic Treaty is uh, something that, uh, I mean, the purpose of the Antarctic Treaty, and I'm reading from the text of the treaty, is that it is to ensure that um, in the interest of all mankind, that Antarctica shall continue forever to be used exclusively for peaceful purposes and shall not become the scene or object of international discord. And that is, uh, that is I think, a really noble, uh, noble aim and goal for the, of the Antarctic Treaty. How, who, do you know who, who brought this on? Who was the driver for it? Well, the, I think that the... the uh, well... We are talking about um, about the treaty, a treaty that is signed on the first of December, nineteen fifty-nine. It is uh, during the Cold War, and uh, it is uh, um, a time where, well, Antarctica is not really being uh, used for anything uh, for the moment, other than science. And I think that science is mostly the driver. Uh, difficulty of getting there and operating in Antarctica might also have been the driver. So it's easy to uh, agree on something or, or not doing something if you if the technical means for doing it are actually kind of expensive and 
and it's kind of difficult to do. So are there, maybe are there I, maybe I'm being too cynical here. <laughs> no, I I I think yeah. it's well, it's definitely made it easier for for many to sign it. Um, well, how about natural resources there? Any oil? Any minerals? Anything? It's under ice. It's under there, a lot of ice, yeah. so it's probably really there, hard to get to. Yeah, but there there are probably quite a lot of of things uh, under the ice um, uh, in Antarctica. It's um, it's definitely a place where there are uh, minerals. Mm-hmm. Most of them are covered by ice. But, uh, you know, in the future, if the climate uh, gets warmer or when the climate will get warmer and if the ice on Antarctica will melt enough so that they, the rock comes up uh, and, uh, and is uh, exposed, then there might be possibilities of mining. Uh, but this is this is not what it's well the, the treaty kind of excludes that doesn't it well antarctic Ant- the antarctic treaty is uh is adamant in not uh, letting any exploitation any commercial exploitation right. of antarctica and uh, another thing they're adamant about is that you shouldn't have any nuclear power uh any nuclear devices down there whether peaceful or not peaceful mm-hmm. Which means that, uh, for example, the big uh, icebreakers, like the big Russian icebreakers, or uh, they cannot get down there. Oh, okay. Um, they are not allowed to to go down to to Antarctica, and uh, and the uh, the place has to be uh, preserved for uh, for the future. Um, so. Um, so the uh, the main the main challenge that they had to is the to define what is antarctica right and uh, and they define it as uh, all uh, of the land and ice shelves that are south of 60 degrees south of latitude and um and and this is uh like pretty much encompassing everything that is important to to preserve down there and uh and uh, in the treaty, there is also uh, stipulated that um, there is a freedom of scientific investigation. So any uh, activity, any scientific activity can be established down there. Of course, you need to go through an approval through the Antarctic Treaty System. But uh, there is no exclusivity that, I don't know, for... Maybe maybe somebody has seen this... Uh, this um, of our listener i've seen this map of antarctica it is more like a slice like a pie right with different uh, different sectors uh, there are some countries that have uh, some nations that have said like well this sector is is ours you see <laughs> it's the uh, it's the argentinian sector it's the chilean sector or something and and some countries have actually adamantly said this sector is is nobody's <laughs> so they're also like nobody's sectors okay. <laughs> yeah that are protected by by some countries um but um the the main thing is that uh, you can go and investigate the scientifically relevant questions or interesting questions anywhere. So if and you need there to, there has have, to be no military activity. Right. So if if you have to be, um, if you need to get permission uh, from someone to do that, um, is there a body? Somewhere that is the are the Antarctic Treaty the, the 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 keepers of the keys, so to speak. Well, for the science uh, the science operations, uh, you have to uh, to go and uh, and uh, there is a, an Antarctic Science Commission, uh, so you can uh, 
uh, a scientific committee on fantastic research uh, that uh, is uh, managing the scientific programs in there and then you'll need to also provide uh, some sort of information of where you want to operate and what kind of logistics you need. And this is where you might want to contact the different bases that are established by different nations. Usually it's nations that establish bases in Antarctica, like we heard in the previous episode, the, the Amundsen Scott base mm -hmm. by the South Pole. And then uh, you have a wealth of other bases all around wealth i mean there are a few i mean it's not that it's crowded but there are a few others other bases so depending on what you want to do you might want to have uh, uh, to ask for access to some of these bases that need of course to be refurbished so you cannot just do it at the last minute like i come there and i just like can i just uh, use a week here and something like there you, you can always ask and there might be possibility, but most research has to be planned well in advance and the provisions and the equipment has to be shipped in. And it, you, you can't just in. hop on a train and go there. I mean, it's <laughs> no. it needs no, planning but, uh, for sure. But you can get a lot of equipment by, um, by airplane. Um, and uh, many of the bases have also uh, runways on the ice, so you can land with the seven three 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 threes seven three no three seven three threes see ah seven three sevens what seven three sevens <laughs> there is three sevens you mean on, you mean uh, proper big airplanes proper big airplane or Hercules <laughs> or something so you can land with uh, with big airplanes in there and even with smaller but. Um, Flying in an, in the winter, for example, when it's uh, the summer in the northern hemisphere, is prohibitive. And there was last winter, I think there were, I think it was last winter, there was a person that had to be evacuated because um, from a base way in, I think it was Scott Amundsen, uh, Amundsen Scott uh, base, and they um, and there is this uh, Canadian company uh, that uh, they managed to have two twin otters in alternating and, and watching over each other and and going over to the South Pole, take this person and, and airlift this person out. But it's the first time that an airlift has been attempted. We even had a, a case of a, of a medical doctor that uh, discovered that he had uh, an appendicitis and uh, needed to be operated. And he was stuck in there because it was the beginning of the winter and he had the whole winter in there with uh, almost a certain death. And he managed to operate on himself ouch <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't allow to this but it's it's the only case that i know of somebody that really operated on himself with this with okay. the help of somebody also to like to to help him around but he was actually cutting up himself uh, so to, back back to, to the treaty no no no, no <laughs> i don't want to hear about this now yes well no no you don't want to hear about this <laughs> so well, the treaty, anyway the, the treaty was signed in 1959 59 and came into force in in 61 and it's actually the first it? uh there were uh, there were the uh, 12 parties <clears throat> i think it was 12 it wasn't it there were the the first uh, uh the first uh nations mm -hmm. and um and then we have uh, uh like at the moment uh, there are um, uh, 41 others uh, that have uh, that have plus signed. the 12 mm. So, uh, so it's um, it's a uh, it's pretty a pretty big group of nations, and there are also some nations that are observers, so they are consultative, so they have no activity out there, uh, like uh, Canada, Iceland, Portugal, 
Turkey, uh, but they are interested. They are participating in the in the in the work. Uh, they have a consultative role, and um, and one interesting thing is that it is the first arms control agreement that was established during the con- the Cold War, and um, and and that is uh, that is also like. Uh, quite quite interesting because we have to remember that in those years there were quite an escalation of uh, of uh, the uh, striking powers both from the one side and that the other side that is remarkable of the iron yes. curtain. Oh, the iron curtain yeah and uh, yeah and um, well the the treaty as a secretariat it's in Buenos Aires in Argentina it's an international secretariat makes sense so. yeah because it's the, yeah. the the closest to to Antarctica yeah, that is not and Antarctica, they, and they and they act uh, before uh, they've expanded to other. Um, uh, there, there is a science uh, uh, committee, of course, but they have also asked uh, expanded, for example, to tourism and to uh, uh, to um, kind of uh, inspire or like they're not they're not regulating, but they are. Uh, acting as a consultative uh, organ for tourist operations, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and most uh, tourist operators that are active in Antarctic, they uh, they belong to IATO, which is the International Association for Antarctica Tour Operators, and IATO participates in the Antarctic uh, 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 Tourism and uh, Non Governmental Activities Committee. And um, yeah, and uh, and under the Antarctic Treaty, there are two interesting cons- committees and uh, two conventions that are um, active for the uh, for the conservation of wildlife. And and one of them is the Convention for the Conservation of Antarctic Seals, which is uh, banning all sealing and uh, controlling the population status of the seals and the and the uh, and the um, and the fur seals uh, down in antarctica and uh, and the other one is uh, is called camelar but it's the abbreviation of c c a m l r so camelar it's is a convention rolls easily off the tongue <laughs> rolls easy off the tongue but it's called familiarly camelar and it's a convention for the conservation of antarctic marine living resources and it's a convention that uh, uh, studies the groups, uh, the nations that are interested in in studying and and preserving the uh, the uh, marine life around Antarctica. So uh, uh, also looking at the uh, at the fisheries that are occurring on the high seas, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, like the krill fisheries or the Patagonian toothfish or or these uh, these. Uh, uh, activities that are happening also north of the southern the 60 degrees south which is the limit of the antarctic treaty so the antarctic treaty yeah. is now is now supported by 53 nations are there any notable ones that do not support it uh, no not really i mean uh, we so have, the most uh, important nations are are part well, of it 
uh, important, like uh, define important. But uh, okay, if you, if you think if you think that like China is a part of it, uh, the U.S. as a part of it, and and uh, so you have two big um, and and Russia, the Russian Federation is a part of it. Maybe maybe instead of yeah, important, but, I should say so, the ones so that the, that that would that would want to exploit something like Antarctica. Well, yeah. Well, the big, big industrial nations are practically all there, and you have also like uh, countries that are less, uh, that are maybe less uh, active industrially, like I don't know, Peru or or the Netherlands uh, are a part of uh, the Antarctic Treaty anyway. Mm-hmm. Of these, uh, of these uh, kernel of hard kernel of nations. Well, yeah. makes me makes me feel good to know that there is such a thing as this treaty and. That there is um, that part of the world being being protected by it. Good, <laughs> that's that's really good, and they do a really good job. And uh, um, the uh, the treaty um, uh, was uh, renewed uh, uh, recently, and uh, and it's uh, it's actually quite uh, quite nice that uh, that is keeping on and. Uh, and of course, uh, there is pressure for uh, uh, opening up for some activities, especially uh, the fisheries. But uh, for the moment, it's still an area that is pristine and is still uh, maintained uh, as pristine as possible. Also for uh, the enjoyment of the tourism that we might have. Do you need? Do you, do you know if there are any other areas on our planet that are as protected as pristine as the Antarctic? Hmm. I don't think there are. Um, there might be some some deserts that are that are as inhospitable, as protected or <laughs> might be inhospitable. But um, but the the point of Antarctica is also that is uh, extremely difficult to reach, right? And and that is a protection in itself. Well, if you go on the on some Mongolian desert or uh, in on the Andes, on the Salar de Uyuni, for example, it's it's possible to reach. It's easier to the, get. To, yes. it, it's easier to get there anyway, and uh, and uh, there is possibly less pollution in Antarctica than in any part of the oceans as well. Unfortunately, well, I want to go there now. I want to yes. go there even more. So let's organize a trip. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Next week. Oh, we are coming up on Christmas. It's very yes. close to um, Christmas, and we want to talk a bit about. Well, what what do you talk about on Christmas when you when you do a podcast about the poles? Maybe the North Pole. Maybe Santa. Maybe yeah, something along we'll those lines. We'll, we'll see. Find, we'll find something. It's going to be a, a more a less technical uh, podcast, <laughs> I guess. All right. If you want to find out more about this little podcast, go to CuriouslyPolar.com or find the other episodes where you find your other podcasts. Until then, take care and stay cool. Stay cool, Chris. Stay cool, Chris.